July the 19th, 50 years ago, I married Cherry, and um, that was to prove to be the uh, best decision outside of obeying the gospel I ever made. And uh, because of her nature, we had 50 years, we've had 50 years of uh, trouble-free marriage, not a single problem at all. When we um, said our I do's, it was though we'd been married for years and we just, we didn't even have an adjustment problem. It was just uh, unbelievable. We reared two sons uh, that never gave us a minute's problem. Uh, just were as easy to rear as uh, anything. And all of that was because of her nature. Uh, I married a woman who came as close to perfection as a wife and mother as is possible to come. And uh, we just rejoiced uh, yesterday over so many of you who came and just blessed our, our lives immeasurably. It was just uh, wonderful. And uh, those wonderful cards and some of those gift cards, we'll, we'll read those cards the rest of our life uh, and, and think about what a joyous occasion that was and uh, how deeply appreciative we are for those of you who came and uh, rejoiced in that occasion. And when the door opened and streaming in came a, a bunch of these sitting on my right, uh, I wanted to shout out, uh, uh, Cherry, here comes the cream of the crop. Uh, 22 years ago, we came to uh, the congregation here uh, and uh, there were just a handful of folks and except for four or five, Cherry and I were the youth group, I was 54. Is that right? 54, I'm saying. I was 52. 52, and uh, we were the youth group. Uh, everybody had left due to a difficulty and there were no children, no young people. Uh, and uh, this is a different congregation today because of that 45 people that were here then, uh, all of them have gone to their reward. We started having funerals immediately. And uh, except for just a small, small, small handful. And it, it uh, so when, when I came here, Jerry and I came here, I sat back there about where Dave was. There's nobody to teach. I didn't even have a class to teach. And uh, uh, three months later, the door opened and in walked four Faulkner students. I knew one of them because it's Brent Hatcher and I uh, performed his parish ceremony many years ago, uh, long before he ever saw the light of day. And uh, he walks in with these three others, and one of the others was uh, Derek Smith and Holly. Uh, that's Holly's husband. He wasn't able to come uh, due to other obligations. But uh, uh, two of those didn't come back. Uh, Brent was one of them. I never liked him since. But uh, <laughs> all seriously, uh, uh, they said, if, if we come back, will you teach a class? And I said, oh, oh my, that was music to my ears. And so the... We expected those four to come back, and the next Wednesday night, uh, door open, and then walked 18 Faulkner students. Uh, we just could not believe it. Next Wednesday night, we had 32. Next Wednesday night, we had 45. Next Wednesday night, we had close to 60. And uh, represented right over here, 
are a portion of those. And uh, I, I'm telling you, brethren, that of course most of you were not here. Most of you were not here when these students were here. And Cherry and I have talked about that often, that most of you have, have never even met uh, these students, except once or twice when they, two or three of them would come back on occasion. Uh, but the, it was a different, it's a different congregation now, really a brand new congregation. And uh, these students talk about, uh, these representatives here that are here, they talk about the influence that this church had on them. Uh, but that's not what Cherry and I talk about. We talk about the influence they had on the church here and the influence they had on, on my life and her life and, and the handful that were here then. Uh, and it's just immeasurable. I, 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 you know, I've been preaching 54 years, and before nor since have I ever met, speaking generally, the spiritual quality uh, represented by these, uh, and I still call kids, uh, that are sitting right here. Um, we, we just talk about them all of the time, just all the time. But anyway, um, we're just overjoyed that they're here and uh, just do not have the words to express our love and appreciation for them. They have just made an indelible impression on our minds and on our lives. And one of those young men is Paul Presnick. He, uh, he did a phenomenal job in the class this morning. And I said, man, that that's just indicative of the kind of spiritual growth he and, and, and these other young people have made. It, 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 they're so far above the norm that it just staggers our mind, just staggers our mind. And so we're overjoyed to have uh, Paul uh, having already delivered one lesson, and uh, uh, he'll preach for us again this morning. And uh, this, this brother here has made monumental progress like all of these young men and young women have. It's a joy to have him, and it's a joy to have all of the rest of them here. Uh, just blessing our minds, sitting right where they sit uh, for several years, way back yonder. Uh, just a joy to have him. Paul, come preach to us, Lord. I cannot tell you the impact that Brother and Sister Chester and this congregation have had on my wife and me and on our children and on others through us. It will be the difference between my being saved and lost. And I do not say that lightly. It will be the difference between my being saved and lost. Well, let us look at the Bible this morning. Hosea 13, 9. O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. Thou hast destroyed Thyself. Hosea 13, 9. 
I want us to think about two words out of that verse for just a moment before we go into the heart of the lesson, if you will. The first word being destroyed. They were destroyed. There's no question about that. They were utterly destroyed. Spiritually, first and foremost, and then following physically. Hosea 4.6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. That's destruction. That is destruction. Forgetting God, and then God forgets your children. That is destruction. We know that 2 Kings 17 records the destruction of Israel. They're being carried away into Assyrian captivity. We're well familiar with that. And we know that they as a nation never really came back. Judah did. But Israel was essentially destroyed. That part of her. There was the remnant left in Judah and she was brought back, but Israel, oh Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. You can't help reading Hosea 13.9 with, without thinking about what Jesus said. Matthew 22.30, and, and excuse me, in Matthew 23.37, O Jerusalem, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thy help. Hosea 13.9, and then Matthew 23, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wing, and ye would not. We see that that spirit was still alive and well in Jesus' day. And the same problem was there. Destruction was coming. And she had done it to herself again. But going back to Hosea 13.9, O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thy help. The second thing I want us to look at just briefly is that she had done it to herself. Thou hast destroyed thyself. Let's, let us be very clear. It is only in a sense that Assyria is the one that destroyed Israel. And that sense is that it, it, Assyria was the, was the instrument used by God to carry out the destruction because Israel had poured the cup and now she had to drink the contents of it. It's just like God had warned Abraham, Genesis 15, 16, right? Whenever he was telling him about his seed going into the land, it down the line in the future, he's saying, but the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. In the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. That cup had not been filled yet, just like in the book of Revelation. Those cups were filled and they were being poured out. Those Each one of them was filled and the Lord was pouring them out. Here, the cup was getting ready to be poured out, but she filled the contents herself. She did it herself. It wasn't Assyria that destroyed Israel, because Assyria had no power to destroy Israel had God not given her such. Because you remember and I remember a night whenever 185,000 Assyrians died, 
at the hand of one angel. So if it had been just, does Assyria have the power to do this? It wouldn't have been Assyria. No one would have been able to do it had God not wanted it done. And the only reason God wanted it done is because Israel had destroyed herself. She had stopped listening to God. You go all the way back to their beginning. You go all the way back to the time of their leaving, their leaving Egypt. Exodus 1 to 12, slavery and in judgment upon Egypt, right? Two-month journey to Mount Sinai, Exodus 13 to 18. And you've come out of that and you're, you've begun the one year at Mount Sinai in Exodus 19. You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto Myself. Now therefore, if you will obey My voice indeed and keep My covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto Me. And you shall be a kingdom of priests unto Me and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Exodus 19, 4-6. Exodus 34, 12 and following, Take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, whither thou goest. Lest it be for a snare in the midst of thee, but ye shall destroy their altars, break their images, cut down their groves. For the Lord is a jealous God. Or thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord is a jealous God. Lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they go whoring after their gods, and one call thee, and thou eat of his sacrifice. Now take of their daughters unto thy sons, and their daughters go whoring after their gods, and thy sons make thy sons go whoring after their gods. Leviticus 18, 3 and following. After the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein ye dwelt, shall ye not do? After the doings of the land whither I bring you, shall ye not do? Neither shall ye walk in their ordinances, but ye shall do my judgments and keep my statutes. Numbers 33, after going through a series of things of telling Israel what to do when she came into the land, saying, destroy their altars, saying, drive them out, saying, leave no remnant, no, no, no scratch of anything of them behind. And he says, if you don't do this, he said, Numbers 33, 56, moreover it shall come to pass that I shall do unto you even as I thought to do unto them. Do you hear it? So yes, she destroyed herself because she didn't listen to what God had said. She destroyed herself because she didn't listen to what God had said. Moreover, it shall come to pass that I shall do unto you even as I thought to do unto them. Well, what had He told her to do? You shall not add unto the word which I command you this day, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I have delivered unto you. Deuteronomy 4.2 Hear, O Israel, for the Lord our God is one Lord. Now shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. This is the first, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house, and upon thy doorposts, and on thy gates. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. 
warned them over and over, listen to me, listen to my word, don't forget it. During the time of Joshua, they were willing to follow. But then after that, they entered what you and I recognize and the Bible calls the, the time of the judges, the period of the judges. And an angel came up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I have brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. He told them, I've given you this land. I've brought you to the land which I swear unto your fathers. And you possess it and dwell therein. Because Joshua 21, it said, And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which He swore to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that He swore unto their fathers. Judges 2, He's come to them and He's saying, I brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. But they weren't willing to keep the covenant that He had made with them. Judges 2, 1 and 2. Also after that, there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which He had done for Israel. Judges 2.10. Judges 2.19. They ceased not from their own doings, nor from their own stubborn way. Judges 17.6. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Judges 21.25. Worded nearly identically, punctuated differently. Then they came clamoring for a king. The Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them, 1 Samuel 8, 7. In fact, they wanted a king so they could be like the nations around them, 1 Samuel 8, 19 and 20. Think about the insanity which that, prophecy, which that proposition is espousing. This is the people that God had said to Abraham, in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Now this people, Abraham's seed, is in the land that he has promised to give them and has given them, and they have taken to the people of the land more than to the God of heaven. They wanted a king to be like the nations around them. And we know Saul, David, Solomon, the United Kingdom lasting 120 years. And then they were split into two kingdoms, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And we know Jeroboam. 1 Kings 12, 25 and following. And Jeroboam built Shechem and Mount Ephraim and went out from thence and, and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, if this people... Listen to Jeroboam's thoughts because the Lord reveals them to us. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah, whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and set the one in Bethel and the other putting in Dan. Think about what he just did. He had already been given counsel through the Lord by the prophet, being told that if you follow me, I will bless you. But in his fear, not of God, because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, right? Proverbs 1.7. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 9.10. That kind of fear trusts in the Lord with all thine heart. 
Lead not on thy own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. That kind of fear keeps your heart with all diligence, because that kind of fear recognizes that the issues of it grow out of it grow the issues of life. Proverbs 4:23. That kind of fear recognizes the dangers of which Solomon was uh, made aware of as a child. Proverbs 31, 3 to 5, right? Proverbs 31, we, we talk about the virtuous woman, and don't get me wrong, she's the, she's the subject of the majority of the verses in the chapter, but it's not the theme of Proverbs 31. What, what Solomon remembers, recounts from his mother having told him, "...give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings." It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. He was warned of the two things that will tear a man away from doing that which is right. The wrong kind of woman and alcohol. The thrust of the whole book of Proverbs is built on that concept. Trust in God. Follow Him. Don't listen to the ways of the world. Don't listen to the ways of folly. Don't listen to the ways of foolishness. Don't follow things like alcohol and strong drink. Don't follow things like the wrong kind of woman. That's what Solomon was warned of as a child. But unfortunately, Solomon did not heed that warning. He, just like Israel as a nation, follow, fell away from that tight holding to God's law. So he married all those strange wives and they turned away his heart, 1 Kings 11, 1-4. So you had this united kingdom ending with this man Solomon and then Jeroboam bringing into Israel this false worship designed and motivated by his own selfish inclination to keep things for himself rather than give the glory to God. This is the background of this nation. This, this is the, you might even say, after their birthplace, this is how they were raised. If you look at the trajectory of Israel from her beginning to her destruction, you see this falling away from God along the way. And you get to that point where Hosea the prophet says, O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thine help. How are they destroyed? By herself. But I would suggest that Hosea mentions at least a few things about how they were destroyed. God began the book talking about Hosea naming his children. And the names of his children basically pointed out that, look, you are not my children, I am not your God. I will no longer have mercy on you. The kingdom of Israel will cease. But how are they destroyed? How did it get to that point that those kids were named that way, that they had reached that point, they had filled the cup to that point that that's the cup they were going to have to drink if they didn't turn around? Well, I think Hosea points out at least three things that we can call attention to and hopefully learn from this morning. She lacked three things. Number one, she lacked spiritual poverty. She lacked humility, in other words. The pride of Israel doth testify to his face, Hosea 5 5. Remember Hosea 5 4. They will not frame their doings to turn unto their God, for the spirit of whoredoms is in the midst of them, and they have not known the Lord. Do you hear that? 
They will not frame their doings to turn unto their God, for the spirit of whoredoms is in the midst of them, and they have not known the Lord. And the pride of Israel doth testify to his face. Therefore Israel and Ephraim, Ephraim shall fall in their iniquity, and Judah shall also fall with them. And he, he makes the same statement Hosea 7.10. The pride of Israel testifieth to his face. They won't turn. A lack of humility. Isaiah preached during this same time frame. Did he not recognize and point out the same things? Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know. They do not consider. Isaiah 1, 2-3. So he pleads with them. He says, Come unto me, all you the labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, Jesus said that, Matthew eleven twenty eight. But he said, Come and let us reason together. Sounds just like Jesus, doesn't it? <laughs> I guess that's how it's easy to go into that verse. He said, Come now and let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. And you go through the entirety of the book of Isaiah, and at the end... All those things hath mine hand made, and all those things hath been. I don't need a temple built for me. I don't need you to do anything, provide anything for me. What I need you to do is to be the man for whom I'm looking. But to this man will I look. To him that is a poor and a contrite spirit, Israel had forgotten that. She had no spiritual poverty. She was like the Pharisee of Luke 18. He spake a parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank Thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. That's who they were. They were like that man. Standing in front of God, proclaiming their own greatness and their own lack of sin, their own lack of fault. But God said, that's not who I'm looking for. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit. Israel lacked humility. And I'm going to say that that humility was the breeding ground of the other two problems. The other two problems, Israel lacked a knowledge of God. And Israel lacked mercy. Let's look at that first one first. After her, because of her... Uh, lack of humility, her lack of recognizing her spiritual poverty, her arrogance, her, her insolent disobedience. She began to not feel as though she needed God. Thus we have that verse, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast 
forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. How did they get to that point? How did they get to the point that the prophet said, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. Hosea 4.6 and then 4.1. How did they get to that point? The answer is Hosea 8.12. I have written unto them the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. Brethren, let us think about what that verse means. God said, I gave them my law. I gave them what they needed, those things that we looked, up, looked at at the beginning of the lesson, what they had neglected, what they had forgotten, what they had ignored. I have written unto him the great things of my law. But what they do with that, when they receive that law, because remember, the same problem still existed in the first century, right? Didn't Jesus rebuke this same thing in the Jews of that day? He said, search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. That is, in the possession of them, they felt like they had eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. In other words, if you'll open up that book and open up your heart to that book, and you'll allow it to teach you, you'll, know, you'll look at me and you'll know exactly who I am. <coughs> Jesus knew that they would have recognized Him had they been willing to listen, had they had the knowledge, because they were willing to submit themselves to the teaching of it. But they felt like that just in the possession of that law that they had life. Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and there are they which testify of me. Think about what, what Hosea said. I have written unto him the great things of my law, but they were accounted as a strange thing. Had that Pharisee of Luke 18, had he been pouring over the Word of God to the point of allowing his heart to be pricked, allowing himself to be molded and shaped and, and changed by the Word of God? Is that what we hear whenever, we, whenever Jesus says, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican? The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank Thee that I am not as other men are. extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. But actually, it's the man that's called the publican. That's who had been looking into that Word and law and understanding who the God of heaven is. Because the publican, standing far off, would not lift up his eyes so much as unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I, I don't have anything I can bring to you, God, and say I'm deserving of anything. I need your mercy if I'm going to be saved. That's all he knew he could say. And that's exactly what he should have been saying. Israel's arrogance, Israel's lack of the knowledge of the God of heaven led to their destruction. I have written unto him the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. If you count something as a strange thing, you, think, you look at it and you think, oh, what, what use do I have of that? What? What is that? I don't need that. I don't, I don't even want that. That's, don't even bring that in here. That's, that's filthy. That's dirty. That's, that's, that's unnecessary. I don't even want to spend time looking at that. Leave it alone. Are we not admonished 
and taught by the New Testament to fight against that. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be shamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, 2 Timothy 2.15. That kind of study that Paul was, was encouraging Timothy to do, that kind of study comes from a recognition of what this is you're studying. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto every good work. Whenever you realize what you're studying and you realize what's coming, chapter 4, verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. He's going to judge the kingdom too when He appears. It's going to be like that net, Matthew 13, 47 to 50. Going to pull it to shore and throw away the bad and keep the good. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure a sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Listen to what we just heard. So we saw that Israel turned away from the truth at the very beginning of their lives as a nation. They turned away from the truth, as it were. They turned away from that and they began to just go away from God. They weren't willing to listen to what He had said. They were counted, counted His law as a strange thing. And that led to their destruction. Then you have, after there's been a return, then you have in the first century, you have the Jews of that day confronting Jesus and looking for every single possible way that they can to get rid of Jesus because... They are what's important, not Him. Because they had forgotten the law of God. They thought that just in the possession of the law, that was where you found righteousness and holiness and being found faithful in God's sight, being saved. But what happened whenever the church was built, established? Eventually people fell away. There's been a return since then. And people have... Falling away. Where, where are we now today? The church is still alive and well in some places, but in many places it's suffering. Error has come in, rooted out the truth. People have adhered to that error, and they're destroyed by that lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. They didn't have that. Like I said, their, their, their lack of the knowledge of God, their lack of knowing who God is, grew out of their lack of humility. Hosea told them, Hosea 6.6, 6, For I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Let's say this. They, their, their lack of humility, their arrogance, gave, gave way to their lack of knowledge of God, their lack of mercy, which we'll talk about in a moment, Lord willing. Their lack of the knowledge of God, their lack of mercy. And God, through Hosea, says, I desired 
mercy and not sacrifice. And the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Is, Hosea, is God through Hosea not saying to Israel, I desired that you kept the two greatest commandments that I've ever given? The same ones that Jesus said when He was asked, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. That would have been keeping that knowledge of God. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That would have been, I desired mercy. I desired you treat your fellow man the way you want God to treat you. Her arrogance led to her unwillingness to understand and her inability to understand who God is and what He's like. Just like that Pharisee of Luke 18. Then when you look at her, her lack of the knowledge for God, their lack of understanding of where they stood in God's sight, it led to their lack of mercy. They looked at their fellow man, they looked around them and they said, what can you give me? What can you do for me? You're in my way. I need what you have. I want what you have. Micah said that they plotted their evil upon their beds. And when the morning was light, they practiced it because it was in the power of their hand to do it. Micah 2, 1 and following. Hosea says, I desired mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more and burnt offerings. He had said, Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. It's always been those two things. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those two things have always been based on hearing and doing. It's no different when you look at the book of James, right? We have the same thing. James warned those first century Christians. James chapter 2. He shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy. Mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Can we imagine? I don't want to imagine in some sense, but it does me good to imagine it in another to stand before God without mercy. For me to stand in the very presence of God for judgment with no mercy present whatsoever. When I keep in mind what that looks like, it helps me in how I look at you and how I look at my brethren anywhere and how I look at my neighbor how I look at myself. Because I need mercy. Without it, I'll be lost. So lost. Israel forgot that. That Pharisee forgot that. 
Israel of the first century forgot that. Brethren, let's not forget that today. O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thine help. So he told them, look, you've destroyed yourself. You've destroyed yourself by your lack of your lack of spiritual poverty. You've destroyed yourself by your lack of knowledge of who I am. You've destroyed yourself by a lack of mercy. But in me is thine help. The question would be, and we know the answer to it because the time has passed, would Israel turn to God and say, Lord, I need your help? The only way Israel could do that is if Israel could recognize her spiritual poverty that is, recognize that she had lost her humility and then humble herself in the sight of God. Based on that humility, replace her ignorance of God with a knowledge of God. Based on those two things, because of her understanding of her true station in life, her true station in her spiritual situation, and her understanding to whatever man's mind can do of, of who God is and what He's like, then understanding mercy. I need to practice this with those around me. If she was willing to do those three things, she could have found help in God and been saved from her destruction. But you and I know she wasn't. So I'll put that verse out again to your thoughts. Hosea 13.9 O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me, it is thine help. It does us good every now and then to think about what if our name were in that blank? Oh, Paul, you've destroyed yourself, but in me is thine help. Let us not get to that point. But if and when we do, let us turn to the God of heaven and repent of those things and obey Him. If you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ, why not do it this morning? Why not? Because of the recognition of the fact that sin stains you in the sight of God. Sin makes you lost in the sight of God. And all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 Why not? Because of that recognition, because of the recognition of what Christ has done for us, coming and dying for us, taking on the sins of the world, taking our place on the cross, be willing to, through faith, confess the name of Christ, be baptized for the remission of sins after, through that penitence that we'll manifest because of that understanding, be baptized into Christ and be added to the Lord's church. If we've done that and we're present this morning and perhaps we've allowed those things to sneak back in, those things of the world, the things of the devil, the things that lead to our destruction, why not set those aside and realize that if we are destroyed as of now, if we stand in God's sight lost, He is pleading through the Gospel of Christ with us today, saying, Oh, you've destroyed yourself, but in me is thine help. If we can help you, please come while we stand and while we sing. way.
waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Come home, come home, ye who are weary, come home, earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, now fleeting, the moments are passing, passing from you and from me. Shadows are gathering, death warnings coming, coming for you and for me. Come home, come home, ye who are weary, come home, earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, oh, for me though we have sinned he has mercy and pardon pardon for you and for me come home come home ye who are weary Thank you, Brother Paul, for that lesson. Thank you for the encouragement that it was. May we all strive to, uh, whenever we feel those times when we're not being as we should, that we'll come back to God and He'll help us. I want to thank all of you guys for coming. It's glad to see you again. Um, may God bless you where you are. May He bless us all, wherever we are, that we'll strive to do His will, glorify His name. Our... Uh, Five o'clock uh, singing and training class uh, will happen this evening, and 5.30 memory class after that, and then 6 o'clock worship. If you'll turn with me to number 550. After this song, we'll be led in our closing prayer. Number 550.
First and last verses. When with the Savior we enter the glory land, won't it be wonderful there? Ended the troubles and cares of the story land, won't it be wonderful there? Won't it be wonderful there? Having no burdens to bear, Joyously singing with heart bells all ringing, oh, won't it be wonderful there? There where the tempest will never be sweeping, oh, won't it be wonderful there? Sure that forever the Lord will be keeping us, won't it be wonderful there? Won't it be wonderful there? Having no burdens to bear, joyously singing with our bells all ringing up. Won't it be wonderful there? The God and Father, we are thankful so much for this period of worship that we can spend together as brothers and sisters, praising your name, studying your word, remembering the death of Christ. We 